What does it mean to live life as more than a survivor? Unpacking that question is what we're all about. On this podcast, we speak about life, its ups and downs, and everything in between. Join us as we connect with others and discover more through stories and conversations. Come as you are. Recovering. Healing. Growing. I'm John Westaver. And I'm Michelle Escamilla. And And this this is More Than than a Survivor Survivor Podcast. Podcast. Okay, and this is episode two of More Than a Survivor Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you guys for listening to the first episode. And if you haven't uh, listened to the first episode, go back and listen to the first episode before you watch this or listen or watch this one here. Uh, I'm John Westaver. I'm Michelle Escamilla. Hey, and we are More Than a Survivor Podcast. And... um, yeah, I'm excited for this episode and the next several episodes that we're doing. The guests we're inviting to come and uh, join the conversations. Uh, yeah, and um, thank you. Anything you want to say, Michelle, before we get going? No, I'm excited to be here. How are you, John? How are things? How has um, these past couple of weeks been treating you since I last saw you? What have you been thinking about since we did our first episode? All these questions into one. Go. Yeah, I know. Like it's it's uh, uh, it's funny because we're just before we're doing this uh, the podcast, we're trying to figure out the tech side of things, and you know, just kind of getting that down. And um, no, uh, I'm good. You know, we just had to went through Christmas and the New Year, um, and the girls were excited for Christmas. They love Christmas. They were excited about Santa. Uh, we try to do a big thing around, you know, Santa coming and stuff like that there. So the girls really had a fun time. Uh, New Year's was nice and quiet. Um, yeah. How about you? Good as well. It's funny how I think different seasons of life where you look forward to at first, like doing events and parties and gatherings and stuff. And then there comes a time when you're just ready for the quiet. So um, this year for us, it was a quiet holiday season. Um and I think we were really happy with that. For once in the, our first time ever, we got to go to the beach for the holidays, which um, previously living in Canada is something that was a little harder to do. It's just cooler to do, chillier. Um, but we were in nicer weather. So that was a nice big change that we had. So overall, I can't complain. And I'm ready to start talking about this next topic, which I know that you and I kind of were going back and forth as to what it was going to be. But we wanted to talk a little bit about the struggle because the struggle is real. So here we are. Yeah, that's that's funny. Like the struggle is real, and and um, I don't know about you, but when I'm inside of struggle, I like shut the world out. Like I just kind of go within. Um, I kind of sometimes I'm, I I manifest like you know stay away from me sort of thing. A little bit of you know leave me alone sort of thing. And I kind of go within when I'm struggling and try to figure things out and um, not ask for help. And, you know, it would probably the one of the worst things to do, but that's what I do. I kind of go within and, you know, try to figure things out on my own and not ask for help and try to get through it alone. And, you know, and um, yeah, how about you? How about you? What are your strategies and to get through? Sure. So let's give a little bit more context as to how did we, we get to this topic of struggle. 
um, because again, there's that saying that says the struggle is real. For me, essentially what that means is, you know, as, as well as things seem like they're going, there are moments when there is struggle and it's real life and it's authentic, which is what we're all about here on this podcast. So I think the core question that we're asking is, you know, what are some of the struggles that we've had either in life or during our recovery um, or in just different seasons that we've gone through? So, yes. So to answer this question about struggles, I think the way that I cope with struggling is I'm slowly getting better at it. But I think similar to you, I often think that I can manage these things on my own and, you know, the... The more time I spend on this earth, I'm realizing that there are probably other tactics that have been helpful to me in terms of finding that support. But it really has been a lot of like self-work to be able to get to that place of vulnerability and be okay with the fact of telling people that I do need help or that I am struggling. Um, for me, I think, you know, during my recovery and even now, it has been um it's been tough to kind of peel away and share that vulnerability with people that that's the real me. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, I find for me, um, that I, I try and do things alone. I kind of hide out a lot. Um, and just going back to like, I'm going to go back to the beginning when I, my car crash, when I was involved in the car crash. When I woke up from this, uh, this coma, because I don't remember any part of the crash and I don't remember waking up in the coma. It was just chaos, you know, waking up as a, as a burn survivor, not knowing what happened. And, um, the struggles that I went through in the initial stages of my recovery, um, was dealing with the burn trauma, you know, dealing with like the bandage changes, um, dealing with how I looked, uh, how people saw me, how I didn't want people to see me as broken and destroyed, and you know, like dealing with the surgeries, the the grafting, and all that stuff there. And in in the beginning for me, it was I had I don't know, much probably much like you. I had a lot of family around me supporting me, you know, helping me through the initial stages. But after a while, it was like, I'm on my own, like doing my own thing sort of thing. And, you know, there was different things that I was struggling with, like finding work, you know, um, dating. It could be, uh, you know, creating life after, after the trauma. And um, it was one of those guys that, didn't ask for a lot of help and tried to figure it out on my own. I was very uh, stubborn in that sense, maybe. And um, but I saw that I wanted to have something. Like I wanted a career. I wanted to to have a life worth living. And um, so for me, the the tools that I really used is like um, I find myself lost for words in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me jump in and, and yeah. offer some, some thoughts as well. You know, you, yeah. you were saying about, again, we're talking this idea and this topic this week is about struggle. And I think my uh, inner jokester kind of says, me, struggles, never. But as you said, exactly is so true. Let's go back to the beginning. 
car accident, trauma, struggle. Um, let's start with the fact that I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to pick up a spoon or a pencil or anything because I did not have that function. Let's talk about the fact that I had to ask for help to do basic things like get dressed, go to the bathroom, scratch my head. Like these are things I could not do. And I think for anybody that could be really debilitating. Like the fact that you no longer are in control of your own body and you have to ask for help for these things is a challenge. And for anyone who has gone through that, you know, you know how difficult it is and just how hard it can be, I think, sometimes to maybe have before been a really independent person and then have to realize that you need to depend on people in order to get better. So let's just start there. Let's just start. At yeah. the this is so real and it does happen. Yeah, and for those people that are there listening, and and you haven't been through something extreme like this here, you know, don't you know, don't disengage the conversation because you're dealing with whoever you're dealing with, and you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with. And as Michelle is talking about, you know, learning to walk again, learning to get dressed, you know, what I'm flashed to is like wiping myself after I use the washroom. Like yes, my hands yes. were completely bandaged. I'm 75% burnt. My hands are bandaged. And I'm an 18-year-old, independent, 240-pound heavyweight wrestler, stubborn, pig-headed, arrogant, you name it. And I had to call a, a nurse in to wipe me after he's the washroom. I remember sitting in that washroom crying because I was so embarrassed to call somebody to come in and, and do this simple task. Where they, it, it was nothing big for them. Like they, it was an, it was operational for them. Like it was just one of the things we do. And um, but for me, I'm even almost tearing up about it because I remember it so vividly. Um, I just remember how embarrassed I was, like how how ashamed I was that you know, on top of everything else that I was dealing with. There was a simple task of having to ask somebody to come in and perform this simple operational task of wiping my tuchus, my butt, after I used the washroom. Mm. And it was such a a hard thing to do. And, you know, sometimes the nurses would come in because they knew I was in there because they had walked me in. And they said they would say, call when you're ready to come out or when you need help. and. After a while, they'd come in and, you okay, John? You know, you you need help? And I would just be crying because it was so hard, so frustrated. And um, funny story is I remember they would try, they'd have to like hold me with one so I didn't fall over with one hand. And then they're grabbing paper with the other hand trying to, and they're kind of bunching up with their gloves on. So they're bunching up and they're wiping me. And I remember you know, being mad because the lady didn't wipe it around her hand, you know, to wipe me sort of thing. And it, just the simple things, like, it was just, like, so funny. The things we, we, we kind of lash out at. But it was just, like, you know, th- in that moment, it was just, like, chaos for me. There's so many things that were unfamiliar, so many things I was dealing with. And um, looking back, like, you know, it was hard in that moment. But as I was exposed to those moments and I had to work through them and I had to deal with them, it helped me, you know, get through the next one. 
it got through the next one and it built that 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 strength and the the muscle to to be able to cope with these things and and and, and work through these things and see that you know these are the things that i have to deal with yeah i think you know there is a lot of um challenge that people experience in the initial stages of any sort of injury or you know a traumatic event Again, I can also think about similar, very similar experiences. And I think also about how hard it was to um, explain to people what I was feeling, because really I only understood exactly how I was feeling in that moment. And, you know, that I, I relate that to this idea of the struggle that my parents couldn't really understand what I was going through. My friends couldn't really understand what I was going through. And I think that as you kind of were saying of being this lone wolf or independent person, I thought that I could manage my struggle on my own. And I want to take this moment to say that I see you. I see the people. We see the people who identify as that as I can do this on my own and just want to gently encourage you and say, it's okay to be in community. It's okay to, um, it's okay to have moments where you think that, you know, I need to do this on my own. And to remind you that there's so much strength in being in community. As you were saying, even though it bothered you that that nurse had to come in, we look back and I think about the nurses as well and people, the staff, and if it wasn't for their support, I literally would not have been able to, you know, go to the bathroom or get dressed as much as it bothered me in that moment. I now understand that it was a really important part of my recovery. So as hard as that is, just wanting to remind people that there is a lot of strength in community and in being vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, virtual. I want to fast forward a little bit. And I want to think about now the time when you're out of the hospital, you're out of that you know, initial stage, and you kind of touched upon this, saying the struggle of you know, making friendships and dating. Yeah, it was it was a whole thing. What was that like for you? So friendships were easy for me because um, I didn't struggle with that too much. Because uh, with my car crash that I was involved in, it there was three other teens in it that that were killed, and I was left as a you know sole survivor. I, I survived the crash, and it was in a small town, and I really had a lot of support. And I grew up in a big family. There's there's um seven or eight siblings. Um so I grew up in a big family. So I had a sense of family and community around me supporting me that whole time. So I really didn't feel like an outcast. I really um didn't have trouble in that sense. Um but come to dating, oh my God. Uh that was the most challenging time for me because I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think I was lovable. I didn't think I would Anybody would ever want to date me. God, I'm ugly and broken, destroyed, you know? And um, I didn't think anybody would find me attractive. And, you know, probably about a year or two after the car crash, I was like, okay, maybe I'll ask a couple girls out. There was a couple girls that I liked, and, you know, I became friends with them and stuff, and uh, and I had asked them out, and and um, on two different occasions, they're both like, "No, no, I'd rather just be friends." And it was so devastating for me. 
You know, the second time that happened, it was so devastating for me that I cut this person out of my life. It was so, I couldn't deal with it. I was just so embarrassed, so rejected. And I was so heartbroken that I was like, no, I, I can't deal with this. And I just cut that person out of my life. And I've since, you know, reconnected and, you know, talked to this person and apologized. And, you know, that person's in my life now. But um, it for me, it was such a hard thing. And I, and I stopped dating, even trying to date, for probably six or seven years. Um, and I watched family and friends um, date and get married and have families and create, you know, these extraordinary lives, which I wanted. Um, and for me, I always had hope at one time. Even though I thought I was unlovable and ugly and broken and destroyed, I had faith. I had faith that at some point in my life that I would find somebody who loves me and would marry me. And the reason I say that is because all of my fingers, except for one, was undamaged, almost undamaged. And that was my ring finger. And I took that as a sign. I took that as a sign that someday there's going to be a purpose for that ring finger. And so I just was like, you know what? And in the present moment, I'm just going to take a break and not even worry about it because down the road, it will happen. And that's what I hung on to. And, um, and eventually down the road, I started dating, um, became friends, you know, and, um, met my wife and, uh, who's extraordinary lady and ended up getting married. We now have three beautiful children and uh, extraordinary life here in Victoria. But if you told me when I was laying in the hospital bed that I would eventually find someone who loves me for me and makes me happy and I'd have three beautiful children and an extraordinary life, I said, you probably would have said you were full of crap that it's not possible. Mm -hmm. I'm broken, ugly and destroyed. Who's going to love me for who I am. Uh, but here I am. And now here we are. Your life. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Exactly. Yeah, that it, that's a beautiful story, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it, it's a reminder of hope. And it's a reminder of also of mindset, which is huge, I think, with this idea of um, believing in a greater life than beyond just the title of survivor. It is manifesting, it is envisioning, it is putting out there what can be, and that is beautiful. Um, for me, I think what I would say was, um, I think what I struggled with growing up personally in terms of like friendships and dating and all that kind of stuff is I just really wanted to fit in. I really wanted to, you know, live that life where, uh, you know, social and, everyone's friend. And I think I am a recovering people pleaser. I will probably always be a recovering people pleaser. I am. There's so many layers that come into that, you know, being the oldest sibling, well, eldest child, you just want to, you know, be helping everybody and all of these things. But I think it comes down to, I just, um, I really wanted to fit in. Now that I look back at it, I can name it. But at the time, I did not know how to describe it. I just knew that the friends that I had before my accident, I wanted to have still be my friends, which, spoiler alert, totally did not happen. They did not want to be my friends anymore. I think that 
looking as different as I did, you know, as I mentioned before, plastic face mask and like pressure garments all on my body. They had cut my hair. I had all of these scars. They no longer wanted to talk to me and no longer wanted anything to do with me. And that was really difficult to, to cope with because this was my circle. This was the people that I used to spend all of my time with. And now that has changed. And I had no control over the fact that it had changed. So how did that, how did that impact you? How did that impact you in the moment? Yeah, yeah. I think if it wasn't for, as I mentioned, as I will always mention and say, um, the fact that my immediate family and other people outside of those direct friends were very supportive, if they hadn't helped me coach that inner voice to say that there are going to be people in this life who are not okay with you, but that's that's fine and okay because we love you. If I hadn't had that inner coaching to have that voice, maybe I would have believed that small child's inner voice that says, I'm not worthy of being loved. I'm not worthy of having those friends. And it really was a constant battle. It really was, um, it had to be the self-growth and development to really understand that whatever I believed, whatever I believed that I'm not lovable or that, you know, because I look different, I can't have these friends is not true because of everything else that the people that I love are rooting me in and are reminding me of. So it was difficult, but it really was a transformation. As I was in my recovery, um, I understood that. I understood that there were going to be people that were not okay with me and that was okay. It was not meant to be um, at that time. So thankfully, I decided you know, to find other people who were okay with me, who were really cool and funny and sweet. And I ended up you know, making different friends, which I think in the end was... Um, better for me because it was just, it was the crowd that I was with before was, I don't think the best crowd to be with. So it worked out in the end. But in terms of also dating, caveat in here is I think um, high school trying to date is such a sticky situation. I think that, you know, there's so much pressure um, socially to try to, you know, date this person or be friends with this person. So as I look back at it, man, I think, you know, dating during high school and even college can be really stressful. Um, but I think ultimately my struggle was that was that I wanted to fit in. My friends were dating this person. I wanted to date, you know, this group of people as well. And it just didn't work out for me. And initially that was my thought was, is it because of what I look like? Is it because of what I've been through? Is it because, well, I grew up in a, I grew up in this town in, in Canada that is diverse, but I think my hometown was not as diverse as other places I've lived. So my question was, is it because I have different color skin? Is it because I have, you know, different texture hair? And I thought all of these things, this, this inner voice, this, that immediate thought of comparison, is it because I'm not like them? So it was a struggle, but again, I come back to this, the fact that it had to be a constant reworking and rewiring of my brain to say, it's not because of those things. It's just not my time. And kind of like what you're saying with this hope that I am going to find this person. And ultimately I did not find them in high school. I did not find them in my college. I found them through a, a different circle of friends. Um, and we could talk about that at another time about relationships and all that kind of stuff. But I, I realized that whatever 
I hoped and desired to attract is what I attracted. I wanted to attract somebody in my life, a partner who saw me for me, for all the qualities that I have. Also because I am fabulous and they did recognize that as well. Um, but yes, you are. <laughs> I, I found that, you know, it, it took a lot of work internally to understand that it's not about fitting in. It's about being who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I completely agree. One of the things that I discovered, and I don't know, I don't, and I'd ask you if you would discover this for yourself too. Um, one of the things I discovered early on is when I let go of how I looked, how my scars looked and any conversation around my scars, it disappeared in other people's eyes. So for me, it was like, it wasn't John the burn survivor. It was John the guy. It was, you know, those conversations disappeared when I disappeared. Those, 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 um, conversations around my scars and how I looked when I disappeared all that, um, it didn't get in the way of asking people out, you know, things like that there. How, how were you? Exactly. 100% true. I think about that in so many different scenarios in my life. I've had friends who um, I became really close with in different seasons of life. And whenever they would introduce me to like either their family or a you know, sibling or another friend or a coworker, they would never describe me as like, oh yeah, she's this burn survivor, this and that, because that's not how I presented myself. I just kind of like lived my life. And they would tell me like, oh yeah, I forgot because they mentioned it like, oh, you didn't tell me that she's a survivor or something like that. Because to my friend, it was not something that they saw first because it's something that I didn't see as my initial uh, identity. It's part, again, it's part of my identity, but there are so many other things about me, you know, as a friend or as a person that I truly just kind of live my life that way. And then remember that, oh yeah, there are other things as well that, um, to share with people. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It's, uh, it's, it's a part of who you are. It's not, it doesn't define you. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, yeah. So, so let me ask you then, um, you know, we're talking about these different ways that, which are real, the struggles are real. Um, what are some ways that you, like, for example, in dating, what are some ways that you coped with those struggles? Or like, what are some tips for people who maybe have similar, you know, things that challenges that they're going through through their lives? What are some tips or ways of coping or working through those struggles? Yeah. One of the, one of the ones I would say that the biggest tip is, is be present, you know, be present in the moment and let go of all the noise in your head. Like there's probably be so much noise in your head about, Oh, doing this right. Or doing that right. Or how do I look? And how's this? And this and all like, let go of all the noise and be present. Um, when you're present and in the moment and just connected to the person you're with, you know, you get to experience that, you know, you get to experience that moment, that person. And, um, if you're too wrapped up in, in yourself and how you look and in your head and your brain, what's going on, all this stuff here, you don't, you lose that moment. You lose that connection, I think. So it's really letting go of the internal noise of what you think is going on, you know, and just be present with what's going on. 
Mm. Yeah. Over you. I second that. No, I, I second that. I think two things for me came to mind, but um, it, my initial thought was exactly what you said, let go. And that is so hard, John. It is so hard to let go. And to kind of, you know, um, hop onto what you're saying here, I see it as that noise or the, that voice, let's name it. It's oftentimes anxiety. It's oftentimes, what are they going to think if, what are they going to do if, and that is anxiety. So that inner challenge, that inner struggle can often really limit us to doing things. So for example, like you're saying, let's say for me, a huge one was either going to some, anytime summertime rolled around, you knew that a pool party was coming or the beach was coming, you know? And so the initial anxiety that, that noise in your head, that voice that says, oh God, bathing suit or bikini season is coming. What are you going to do? Right. So to come back to a, a tip or trick, it really is that like ability to let go of what that voice is saying and to dare to take a step and say, okay, maybe I won't wear my two piece bikini, but I'm going to go to this party. And you know, wear something that I'm comfortable in, but to not let it stop me from living my life. And the other, the second tip that I think kind of goes with that is for me, what's been really helpful is to just laugh, to have a sense of humor throughout all of this. The moment you start taking yourself too seriously is the moment that you're going to start feeling that rigidity, that rigid square that, you know, life has to be a certain way. But the moment that I start thinking like, Okay, so what if I do show up in, you know, a bathing suit to this party? And I'm going to talk about how, you know, I don't know, it's designer. It's it's one of a kind designer as I've got, you know, a scar on my on my arm or whatever. No one else, you know, it's exclusive. No one else has one just like it. Um, but this idea that to give yourself some freedom in those really challenging moments. Yeah. And and Adding on top of that, because that's amazing, because you brought to light so much stuff for me, like, because I never thought about it before. Like, I never thought what it would be like for a girl to have to go and put on a bikini, because, you know, as in today's modern society, you know, summertime is usually beach time and, and, and usually less clothes and more revealing. And as a burn survivor, that could, I'm, I'm assuming that it'd be really challenging. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's a, yeah. there are so many layers to that, that at another episode we'll have to talk about because there's yeah. not only the person's anxiety, but then you think about like the people in your circle. So like your family, I thought for me, it was, you know, my parents were concerned that if I did wear a dress or a, a short sleeve shirt, you know, they, they didn't want to see me hurt. So they were constantly also concerned and like asking me, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, which could then feel really limiting. Like maybe they don't want me to. So there's so many different layers that we could unpack in that. But really, I think, again, it just comes down to that noise or that anxiety that we experience of what if they think this? What if I'm judged? What if they don't like me? You know, all of these things that we start to like create in our minds and then can limit us to even avoiding the situation when in reality, that's one of the most harmful things that we can do because then we will just skip that side of our lives completely and stop ourselves from experiencing things that can be really freeing. And then again, being stuck in this idea of, you know, just being a survivor. 
Yeah, and and what I really what I'm hearing or what or what I think about when when you're sharing this in that in that in that moment is your when you get all that noise in your head and you're having all these thoughts and and you know fears and what's going on, you're not actually in like in the moment because you're in survival. You're trying to survive the situation. And what happens is your brain saying based on this moment Based on my history, that you know what I've been through, what I've seen, what I've experienced, and these moments, these trigger, these uh, situational moments that's happening in the moment, my brain's forecasting this. So you're trying to you're trying to avoid this this drastic thing happening down the road. So you're trying to like figure it all out in your brain, and you're like, how do I do this in the moment so this what I think is going to happen in down the road doesn't happen when you have no freaking clue what's going to happen in you know down the road because it hasn't happened yet you know it hasn't happened yet so if you can let go of what you think is going to happen we'll let go of the past and just be connected and discover discover the person in front of you discover the moment discover the experience and let it arise and when that noise shows up let it go Say thank you for sharing because it's always going to share. It's always going to have a thought. Thank you for sharing. Let it go. Mm. Just be present. Have a, 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 a just just do a check in. Like what's going on in my head right now? Am I freaking out? Okay, relax. Be present. I have no clue what's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and exactly. uh, I th- and I think that's a it's a powerful tool to use. Um, if you could develop that that tool. Yeah, I mean, a, a practical way of doing that really is just taking those small steps. So, you know, I think about someone who, let's say, has just received some sort of terminal illness or something really, really challenging. And, you know, for me, for some reason, maybe because this is the community I'm closely working with right now is um, folks with cancer. So I think about, you know, let's say they just got a diagnosis and it's the hair is falling out and they have a choice, you know, they either need to cut their hair or figure out what they're going to do. And I think for a lot of people, especially women, this the long hair or having hair really is um, part of your identity. You know, it's for a lot of people, it's what makes them feel feminine. It's for what makes them feel, you know, who they are and all these kinds of things. And then let's take into practice exactly what we're talking about. So initially you have a million thoughts saying, you know, they're not going to like me or what if people look at me weird or all of these things. If we take into practice exactly what John is saying and what we're both saying here is take a second to reflect on that and say, okay, but is this true? Is it true that, you know, has anyone said anything? Do I know this to be true? Let's take a second to be present. What's the worst thing that can happen if I decide to cut my hair? It's going to be gone for a few months and then it'll grow back. Not much else. I mean, there are other things, but the truth (laughs) is that whatever is debilitating you or stopping you from living your life in this situation of, you know, something that's physical is momentary, but by not, you know, by listening and giving into that anxiety, those concerns and that fear by listening to that and having to stop living your life or be who you are because of it, 
can stop you. It's not momentary. That fear will not be momentary. It will continue to rule and plan your life around that fear. So it really is important, I think, to be present and just encourage folks to also just be, encourage them to be lighthearted and, and find moments of, you know, taking taking things a bit more, I don't know, not to not be so like strict with yourself, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, it's it's perfect. And what I would, I, lo- I love this. I love having conversations with you because I get so much out of these conversations that it contribute and stuff. So it's so perfect. Um, what I, one thing I just want to add on top of what you're saying, which is amazing, is before you get into these situations, you know, do some exercises. What are the conversations that are going to come up for me in my head? when I'm in these situations and write those, those converse, those, those things down and then what work through that before you even get into the situation. So what if they reject me? Okay. So work through that exercise. What if someone who rejects me? Is it the end of the world? You know, will I die? Will all my friends hate me? Will, uh, you know, everybody abandon me? You know, will I be alone forever? Like, you know, work through that and, and resolve it for yourself. And disappear that conversation so that when you're in the moment and that arises, be like, ah, I already dealt with that. Go away. Go away. Go away, fly. Go away. I see flies or a can mosquitoes. Go away, mosquito. Get out of here. <laughs> exactly. And you you work through those different those different um you know things that you can't be with. And if you if a new conversation comes up for you. And you get to take it takes you out, you know, work through that later on as well. Like work through that. Maybe work through that in the moment with the person. Be like, hey, you know what? I just want to take a take a take a break for a second and be like, you know, I want to share with you like what's going on for me. Like I'm like really freaking out over here because I want to like make this perfect impression on you because I think you're awesome. And I see something, you know, with, I see you in my future somehow down the road sort of thing or whatever it is. And I'm like, I want to work through this. Like I, I know all these conversations are coming up for me. Like, you know, I want to work through this. What about you? You know, have a dialogue because you never know. That may be what it is. That'd be like, you know what? I want that person in my life because I know that when tough times down the road arise, I want that person on my team. I want that person beside me because I know with that person beside me on my team, we're going to be able to get through it. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's so much power in just naming whatever you feel is awkward or uncomfortable because it's very likely that maybe someone else feels the same thing too. They just are afraid to say it. So (sighs) name it. Like you said, you know, I'm feeling this right now. Because I, you know, I'm here, I want to make connections, I want to make friends and want to make a good impression, but I feel nervous. There's a lot of freedom in doing that. So, and, you know, I think to, to kind of summarize a lot of this is the only way to get through anxiety, the way to get through anxiety is to push, like to do these exercises and practice, understand that failure or rejection or all these feelings are kind of part of life. So they happen at some point. And the moment that we decide to walk through it and instead of running away from it, there's so much growth available to you. So pushing through the anxiety. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Awesome. So that was another powerful episode with, uh, with me and Michelle. I think, uh, 
I think this is really a cool podcast that um, we get to make in the world and conversation. And I'm excited for what's to come. Uh, I'm just excited to be on this journey with you, Michelle. Like I really am. Like I, I, I think we're kindred spirits. I think <laughs> <laughs> there is, you know, there's a lot that is similar. Yet there's so much that is different. And we both believe in this mission of sharing it with you, sharing it with the world. So if there's any questions, if there are things that you want us to talk about, please let us know. We'll make sure to add our information so you can connect with the podcast. And we can't wait to see you next time. Awesome. Thanks. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on More Than a Survivor podcast. Your support means everything to us. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, like, and leave a rating. Your feedback not only helps us reach more people, but it also makes our show even better. Got a question or a thought on today's topic? Drop us a comment. We read every single one. And if you think a friend would appreciate this episode, don't hesitate to share it. We'll see you next time. Thanks and goodbye.